This is The Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Mike O'Neill here with our 2023 annual prediction show. Our guests are Chuck Coughlin, recently retired Fox 10 reporter Steve Kraft, and NPR KJAZ's recently retired Steve Goldstein. The latter unceremoniously kicked off the Horizon and year-end prediction show, I think because he tended to win Every year and embarrass his co-panelists. If, if I if I can tell you, Mike, that was one of my hesitations of leaving public radio was I knew Ted Simons would have to make that very difficult decision to cut me loose. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it wasn't that difficult for him, and I bought him lunch. But matter. you you went out with a blaze of glory, <laughs> he's, he's having somebody else a chance to win finally. Yeah, like, ha- having won again. <laughs> we don't usually go back and check because since Chuck Coughlin predicted the early demise of uh, of Donald Trump. Uh, I think it would. We just decided it was too embarrassing. He also was the first guy in here to say this guy's going to win. Yeah, I mean, that was scary. Jan so. Brewer was the first one to tell me that, and I was like, I lost dinner at Durant's on that one for like eight people. Yeah. I still owe you dinner over the over that election. I think. Yeah. So um, I'll collect. Uh, observation here: the Republican Party is obviously divided. We're within the Arizona realm here, though. Obviously, you could ask these questions nationally as well. Is divided between the MAGAs and the traditional conservatives. Uh, the MAGAs seem to be in control, but they took a beating in November, at, particularly at the upper levels. Nowhere more evident than in Arizona. The four MAGA Republicans at the top of the ticket lost. The four non-MAGAs, by the way, Republicans, all won. Given this, uh, Chuck, who prevails or is a breakup of the Republican Party ultimately inevitable? No, there's a war. We'll see it this month. We'll see it in a national election for Rona McDaniel as the party chairman. I think she'll prevail in that again. And then we're going to see it here in Arizona with an election of a new chairman, more than likely to be Jeff DeWitt, um, who has has Trump credentials as the CEO of his 2016 campaign and understands how to win statewide votes. Um, The RNC and the people who run the Republican Party absolutely know what their problem is, and that is you can't elect MAGA candidates. Um, And so there's going to be a war with Turning Point and some of these statewide institutions out here who are grifting the process to raise money for themselves and to, uh, you know, to to move the party into this populist uh, place. Um, and it's going to be a long term. It ain't going to be fixed tomorrow. It's not going to be fixed by the end of this year. It's not going to be fixed by the 24 cycle. They're still going to struggle with getting this done. But there is an awareness that it needs to be fixed. So are you saying the winner ultimately is a slightly more pragmatic version of the MAGA wing of the party? has to be. has to be a negotiated settlement with the crazy relatives or oper- who are living in the house. You know, you got to figure out a way that you got to convince them that you can lead and you can provide victories to them without kicking them out of the house. Steve Goldstein. Chuck can provide more context to this, Mike, but I think back to the strength of 
people in particular, I'm going to mention John McCain in particular. I think Five Simonson probably fits that in a different personality way. But we've seen this kind of thing before. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, the, I've been in journalism for almost 30 years, and I don't know how many times, and it wasn't because of weird public radio bias. I don't know how many times, like every two years, every four years, what's going on with the Republican Party in Arizona? And I remember interviewing this guy, Rob Haney, years ago, who yeah. went after McCain on immigration over and over and over again. But at that point, that part, even though you had the activists, the precinct committee folks, very right, you still had strength at the top of the party, which is why I'm really curious to watch how this turns out, because I'm not really sure, Chuck, who that pragmatic but strong conservative person is. I mean, it wasn't Doug Ducey. He never took pains no. to do that. Who there's no there's no next John McCain. I don't mean that. But who's the next sort of leader of the party who will say, yes, we're conservative. Yes, we're going to do some of these things, but we will not be doing MAGA. I will hear your voice and then I'm going to shout you down. I don't know who that person is. I think yeah. that the last time there was a far right conservative insurgency was Ronald Reagan. Uh, I'm saying that one. Right. Huh? That one. Yeah. But Ronald Reagan was fundamentally a pragmatist and believed in a bigger tent. I'm not hearing any of that. I'm hearing, if you're not with us, get out. Yeah, the craziest yeah. words that were ever uttered in a political <laughs> campaign. Yeah. Well, the, the, the worst image of the last campaign was Carrie Lake mocking a stabbing motion like we have stabbed to death the McCain political machine, whatever that was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm from Chicago. That was not a machine. No. People like John McCain, it was not a machine at all. <laughs> Mayor Daley was a machine. Yeah, we both lived in Chicago. We saw I mean, what a machine a was. <laughs> but, but that, I mean, that immediately angered a substantial chunk of the, of the party that mm -hmm. tuned her out. And, you know, if she'd had those people, she probably would have won with 52 no or 53% of the vote. No but, doubt. But she didn't. So they need a Reagan-esque figure, I think. And someone who can tone down the culture war stuff and the grievances and then figure out ways to improve I don't see middle that class people. I don't see that person De on the horizon. DeWitt do could, DeWitt, yeah, mm -hmm. I think DeWitt has the makings of that opportunity. Okay. Um, having been, you know, a former state treasurer and fought with Ducey, was no fan of Ducey's. And then, you know, a role in the Trump administration and then back out here. So he, he's, he at least knows how to do it. Steve? To you, did Katie Hobbs, this is kind of a television question, so this is your Valowick. Did Katie Hobbs do the right did, did Katie Hobbs do the right thing tactically by not debating uh, Carrie? Obviously, the yes answer is well, she won. But still, you can make a mistake in a campaign and still survive. Tactically, I think it was a mistake. Because it wouldn't have taken much. She didn't have to do a polished performance. She could have made much of the fact and lowered expectations that I'm not a TV person. I'm not comfortable on camera. And nobody watches these things anyway. No it's all about them. the it's all about what can you And she could have said, Look, I believe in the election system, Carrie doesn't, and I believe that we should have abortion rights, Carrie doesn't, and she would have increased her margin and she would have helped people like Kathy Hoffman win. Mm -hmm. And she would have helped maybe Democrats uh, get the legislative uh, mm -hmm. seats that they didn't win. Yeah, Katie Hobbs was not going to embarrass herself. If she had done the debate, she wouldn't have performed well. We know she doesn't have much charisma, much gravitas, as Chuck would say. Particularly when when confronted by what somebody like Carrie Lake, who tends to come out of nowhere with well, it, wild kind of stuff. It's, no, it's a non It's a she's very Trumpian in that sense, not playing by normal debate rules. No, I mean Carrie Lake. I mean, and Stephen, she she was brilliant on television. Mm -hmm. It doesn't didn't even have to have a teleprompter. She just knew how to how to focus these things down. But Katie Hobbs could have easily, I think. I think the missed opportunity, even though she won, was to get some really good ads out of it. Mm -hmm. Because then you can just pluck it, say, 
you know, I, in good faith, I tried to debate this woman, Carrie Lake, and look what she said. And that would have just been super easy, I think. Right. Chuck, um, yeah, you're the political... Argu- yeah, uh, arguably, you know, Lake was her own worst enemy, so giving her more exposure would have been the ideal thing tactically to do. I never felt Hobbs wanted to do that. Um, and so ultimately, it always comes down to the candidate and the candidate's ability and confidence to be able to pull something off. And I don't think she had the confidence that she could do that. So I really can't, you know, it's her campaign. As a consultant, I would have said, yeah, we should do this, but it's your call. And at the end of the day, it was her call not to debate. Yeah. And to your point, Carrie does have, and I worked with her a long time, she was very gifted on camera. Yeah. And a, a great natural communicator. And those are her strengths during the campaign. Yep. But that you could have exposed that if you're thoughtful in terms of turning, using that against her to go get her to say crazy stuff like the 2020 election was stolen, like we need to eliminate early voting, yada, yada. We'll be back in just a moment and we will have the remainder of our Arizona political predictions in the think tank back in a moment. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back here with Chuck Coughlin, Steve Goldstein, Steve Kraft, and we are doing the Arizona 2023 political predictions. A couple of rapid fire questions. We'll start with you, Steve. Uh, Republican and Democrat rising stars. Nominate one in each category. All right. Let's start with the Republicans. I'll say... uh Juan Siscomani. Who is? Uh, who just won, flipped a, a House seat down mm-hmm. Tucson Way, mm-hmm. uh, rising star. Mm-hmm. And uh, Democratic rising star, I have Secretary of State Adrian Fontes. Okay. I'm going to change my answers because those are the exact same answers that I had written. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, Republican rising star, I'm going to go with uh, Steve Richer. You know, he has some, some issues going back and forth, but as far as a plain spoken guy who, if the Republican Party does go more pragmatic, maybe he's going to be great in that position. Mm-hmm. That's a big if. Yeah. Democratic mm-hmm. rising star. I hate to say this one, but I'm going to off the top of my head because it almost falls in the Stacey Abrams category of someone who didn't win an election. Mm-hmm. I think Jevin Hodge is kind of interesting to watch. He lost to Schweikert. Mm-hmm. And in a race that ended up being way closer than anybody expected. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that and the uh, southeastern Arizona district are going to be on the Democratic target list next time. Yeah. Most definitely Schweikert's district is going to be on it. So I have David Gowan. Um, a state senator who is going to be a pivotal figure in getting a budget done uh, at the Capitol this year. He will be a very interesting figure to watch, along with several other state senators who, uh, at the end of June, will find a way to get something done. Uh, on the Democratic side, since these guys have already picked uh, over my bat, I'm going to go Chris Mays, because I think she'll be a fascinating figure to watch. Um, in the attorney general's office, because as we all know, she's a scrapper. <laughs> she's going to be a scrapper. And so uh, it'll be fun to watch. So and she was a former journalist who actually won a race. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll endorse that. I think of all the Democrats. She was actually on, a journalist, too. <laughs> yeah. All the Democrats on the slate, I think she's the one with the longest uh, political future ahead of her. Lots of opportunities there. Let me stick with you, Chuck, and flip it. Uh, which Arizonans' political career? Careers are either over or at least well past their sell-by date. 
Well, I'm going to go way out on a limb. I know this is going to shock everybody and say Rodney Glassman is probably <laughs> not going to come back again. You know, I think it's about five times in a row my man is lost, and I think he may have finally gotten the message. And he's tried that, it in both parties. Yeah, both parties. <laughs> he's tried every opportunity to get elected to some office, and I think most Arizonans are on to the gig now. I also had that on my list. So uh, unless he makes an Evan Meekham kind of comeback and, and somehow loses seven or eight <laughs> no, he, times. Yeah, yeah. He, Meekham was 24 times or something. <laughs> yeah. something was, like was, yeah. But so in a very different way than Rodney Glassman, uh, although he's going to be a statesman, I would say Rusty Bowers mm-hmm. as far as ever winning a race again. I'm going to go with Wendy Rogers, uh, mostly on the sell-by date mm-hmm. because I know she has a following. And I, I know fans out there around the state, maybe not lying areas of the state more than right around here. Mm-hmm. But – I just think that people are going to decide that this is not the path to victory. People in her district. I think people statewide, that mm. this message is just not a productive message to, to win for Republicans going forward, and they're not going to want to hear that voice. Okay. I have a bigger question. We got through this quickly, so we have time to do this. Uh, last session, the Democrats' task was to basically stop the Republicans from doing all of their agenda. To do that, they only needed— one vote in either chamber. They needed a single person. Often that was Senator Paul Boyer, who is now retired. Now the lineup is exactly the same. The Democrats don't have to worry about runaway Republican legislation because they have the governorship and the veto pen, and they can't get past a a governor uh, Hobbs veto. But on the other hand, to do anything, they now need two de- two Republican senators, two Republican legislators. Is there any are there any candidates for that, Chuck? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, cracks um, mm-hmm. by virtue of the way um Warren Peterson won the Senate presidency Mm -hmm. by counting two votes that uh, are not there. Please name (laughs) names. Yeah. Um, So uh, I think there's uh, you got to go T.J. Shope, Frank Carroll, David, the aforementioned David Gowan, David Livingston uh, in the House side. You'd have uh, Wilmoth. Uh, Matt Gress, who's elected in Central Phoenix, who's meeting with his Democratic counterpart uh, each week. Uh, David Cook, who's we've seen him stop the trains down there before, and and Dunn, uh, who's a West Valley Buckeye legislator. I think there's groups of people down there that are capable of cutting a deal with uh, the governor in order to get something done, but it won't happen until the end of June. Yeah, yeah, but. Um what kinds of things would the governor have to put on the table to to attract some of those folks? You're going to have to um, – I, I think there will be some large discussions about water. Um, that will be – I think she wants to do a statewide groundwater management act mm-hmm. in some way. She wants to continue Bruce Babbitt's legacy, and as most of Arizonans want to see that done. Um, I think that will be a significant issue. I think there will be – employment uh, and education funding issues as it relates to job training and uh, um, some of the stuff that gets done with um, EVIT and WESMEC and those types of opportunities, because there's great opportunities to do exploration and growth there. I mean, AEL is the big, big giant fish in the room right now. That's, That's a giant problem. Um, and, and we'll maybe discuss that later in the show, but I don't expect a, a quick resolution to that. And it'll begin to see some of these things, these people come together to figure it out. Mike, I want to ask Chuck one question too. So, you know, with Arizona history, we always, Burton Bar is always the example that comes Yeah. Up. 
Is it term limits that have that have stopped it? Because when you mentioned David Gowan, David Gowan did his previous time in the legislature in some ways did not end so well. Yeah. So are there people who are who are real brokers that are actually going to do this or just people who may vote along with Hobbs? No, I think there's brokers. I think there's people who see the opportunity to do that who have been down there as a result and are are over the celebrity status of of the, of the fake celebrity status that they all think they have. And there's all of those that I mentioned would fall into that category who are veterans. I got to leave time here. My favorite question of all, it is utterly purloined from Horizon, I think is the greatest question. I'm going to you first, Steve Kraft. Predictions, long shot. And sure thing, Arizona politics. Okay, long shot is that Greg Stanton will be the Democrat's choice for U.S. Senate in 2024. That's a long shot. <laughs> that's a long <laughs> shot. You wanted a long shot. I yeah, know. yeah. That's, that's going deep. Hail Mary time. And the sure thing, I think Carrie Lake will one day run for Congress in Paul Gosar's district. Mm. Mm. If she's going to in where she's going to win, that's probably it. That's right. Sure thing. My long shot is for the U.S. Senate race, the denomination for the Democrats with Kirsten Sinema, now an independent. We're going to see... Former spouses, Ruben Gallego and Kate Gallego, battle it out, ultimately decided by a game of rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and the sure and thing? And the sure thing is that even though Doug Ducey was not exactly media friendly, Katie Hobbs, even though, of course, the liberal media is supposed to be so friendly to a Democratic governor, she will make even fewer media appearances in her first year than Doug Ducey did. Mm. Okay, we got about 30, go. 30 seconds left, and uh, Chuck Coughlin. Long shot that AEL will be resolved in the first two months of the legislative session. This thing AEL, gonna, explain uh, AEL. Uh, AEL uh, the alternative expenditure limit yeah. for public education. It basically, is, a billion it, dollars it, base and, and it means closing the schools in March if you don't pass yes. it, right? And, so, and we'll be running yeah. up against that okay. uh, at that point in time. A uh, sure thing. Uh, all of the Maricopa County Republican supervisors will have Republican primary opponents uh, in the upcoming election cycle by the end of this year. And I'm, g- I'm going to go I'm back on another long shot that Bill Gates runs as an independent. Okay. Um, provocative. And we will back with similar provocation when we discuss national predictions in the Think Tank. The Think Tank. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're continuing the Think Tank 2023 prediction show and move our agenda to the national stage. We are with Steve, uh, uh, Steve Kraft, Steve Goldstein and Chuck Coughlin. January 6th investigation, tax issues in New York, election tampering in Georgia and elsewhere. The question is, is Donald Trump indicted for a crime in 23? And if so, in what jurisdictions, Chuck? Yeah, I think the special prosecutor indicts him for obstruction of uh, of an act of Congress and maybe sedition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think the special prosecutor will be a federal indictment and they'll bring it in the course of this year. I actually have to disagree with that slightly because I was thinking with the whole Mueller investigation and Mueller was the strong guy. And of course, we have this special problem. Mm-hmm. I, I know certain situations different now. I would say um, I'm very curious about the classified documents Mar-a-Lago situation. That's mm-hmm. what I would watch most closely. Interesting. I think he gets indicted federally. And I think it's easier to do it now because his campaign is losing steam. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it's, it's an easier decision for a prosecutor. But I think the, the number one place it's going to start is the New York uh, case with the tax misrepresentation. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I was about to jump in to say. You, you, the, the easier cases, I think, are the non-federal ones. Right. That's right there. Because they don't uh, 
conjure up the same image of, uh, well, you're trying to hinder a national well, campaign. And it's essentially the same argument they took Fife down with, yeah. a, a valuation of assets, right. uh, lying about your valuation of assets, which is a dicey thing to, to try and bring. But I could see them actually trying but to But if do I that. recall, the issue that, that sunk him, and I think the same thing would probably apply to Trump, is when you simultaneously claim extraordinary high valuations with your creditors and extraordinary low valuations with the tax auditors. You can't do it's the optimism you can of make, a developer, you can Mike. Make, you can hey, make, man. No, but I'm you building can, something for the future here. I think the, the thing is you can make up a number. You just can't make up two different numbers I'm and sure try to justify it's them at the same time. The right well, okay. Uh, Further on this, Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony, she was an aide to Mark Meadows, the chief of staff. Uh, The question is, does Mark Meadows flip on Trump? Maybe has he done so already? The significance is, as chief of staff, clearly nobody knows more about what Trump did than Mark Meadows. Uh, Does he he flip? Well, first of all, Cassidy, she's the one who said that uh, Trump was reaching for the steering wheel in the car. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for Meadows not to. Mike. He's not some – we talked about profiles and courage at various points of whether Liz Cheney in the past or Rusty Bowers. Mark Meadows has never shown that at all. If the, if the feds give him immunity, if they give him immunity from prosecution and give him a get-out-of-jail-free card and they give him the full boat ride, um, yes. If they don't, I don't think he will. All right. While we while we still have you here, Donald Trump, is he over as a domineering force in the Republican Party in this year? Um, The more candidates there are, the more domineering he can be. Um, If there's discipline on the party level uh, to limit the field and to give DeSantis a legitimate shot Mm -hmm. um, and maybe one or two other candidates, then he is done. If he's if it's more than candidates, he has a 25, 30 percent of the Republican Party in the palm of his hand. And no, it's not going to be exhausted. Forget the nomination for a second. What about uh, I mean, one of the things that was evident in the last year is that he could deliver a candidate nomination. He couldn't deliver a candidate in a competitive state Mm -hmm. uh, the election in November, but he could preclude or include somebody at the, is that over? Um, maybe. maybe. Okay. Maybe. Fair enough. Steve. I think as long as our primary system, Mike, is the way it is, where the activists in the Democratic Party, activists in the Republican Party still have a, the ability to really dominate these things, Trump still has, no one has a better Q rating than this guy in the world. So the idea, I, DeSantis is a very strong conservative, I get that, but if you look at what he's done in Florida, and, and how he started, he's also kind of inconsistent. And I find him not charismatic at all. Mm-hmm. If we look at optics, he's not tall. He's not big. He's not good looking. He's kind yeah. of overweight. I, I feel That like- sounds laughable. But if you look at the history of uh, the number of instances where candidates for president that the taller candidate won, it's probably about the strongest predictor you have. To be kind, he's kind of stocky. And yeah. Trump still has this. Char- so at this mm-hmm. point in 2023, I think Trump still dominates. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people who are still Donald Trump fans. And we cannot lose sight of that. A lot of folks who are listening to this show Mm -hmm. like the former president Mm -hmm. and agree with him on a lot of things. And all of us are mindful of that. Okay, let me switch you. But let me me make a technical point here. If the Republicans change their party rules for the awarding of delegates and get rid of winner take all, Mm -hmm. that'll make it more difficult for Donald Trump. 
or anybody. Yeah, you know, they'll become more like Democrats. Right. But he shut down that race early on last time mm-hmm. because he won all the all Because he came in first and he got all the delegates. Yes. Yep. And I think they're going to do what the Democrats do. And it's proportional. Proportional. And, that it, and that's a, that's a recipe con- for yeah. brokered convention. Yeah, right. that'll, that'll be a huge Okay. Change. Let me flip the, flip the uh, parties on you and ask you, how strong is Joe Biden? Does he finish 23 stronger or weaker than where he is right now? Substantially stronger. Because I think it's fair to say that the House of Representatives is going to be in chaos for the entire year, is going to try to shut down the government, and there'll be a lot of public revulsion about that. So mm-hmm. I think he'll be in a stronger position. I think the economy will be a little bit better. I think it's kind of a meh, Mike, to be honest with you, because if we come out of how well Biden did related to the House, as we talked about in the Senate, my feeling is that he's he's going to be maybe slightly better, but... Mm-hmm. The economy can't impact that, but I think I think he's actually in much better shape than any of us would have expected beginning mm-hmm. in 2023. So I think it's we going to all be expected pretty that there was going to be a democratic down, massacre down the tube, and exactly. that he would take the blame for it, yeah. and that he would probably, as a result of that, not run. All of that's off the table, right? So I think he's steady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's better shape today, um, no doubt about it, and uh, I think he's stronger today. Um, and can look to the future and and has lots of navigational choices. Let me start with you and ask a multi-part, each of you to handle a multi-part question all at once, just to not break it up so much. Does Joe Biden announce his candidacy by the end of 2023? And if he's going to run, he's got to announce by the end of 2023. If not, who are the leading Democratics candidates? And if he does run, would any of these challenge him if he decides that he is going to run? Uh, he will announce um, he uh, the, the there there will be challengers to it. Uh, I'd put Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, and some of those people. I think he will retool his administration, though, and pick a new VP mm-hmm. um, and give the ticket a new look. Mm-hmm. I think Biden will announce that he's going to run. And but I, I love your question about who who would run. Who would if, run if he if he, if he, he got, yeah, no, the way You're saying, and I, I believe you said Newsom would run against him. I think he would. Incumbent president. I think he would. Okay. So I think that's, I love being able to say this to someone as successful as Chuck. There is absolutely no chance that that's going to happen. Gavin Newsom <laughs> is not going to challenge him. Gavin Newsom is very close to Kamala Harris from their years in the Bay Area. When There's, they dump Kamala off the ticket, though. Right. But, but, New, <laughs> but, New, but Newsom is, and Newsom, you know, if we, Newsom, just to do gossip, Newsom, of course, was married to Kimberly Guilfoyle, who then dated, I mean, they, Newsom's a complicated guy. <laughs> That's crazy. So, so he's, That's he's really crazy. but I would say that if Biden doesn't run, Newsom is sharp looking, egotistical, very smart, went to a great university called Santa Clara University. I'll throw that in as well. The other slug. Yes. The, the other, the other interesting thing I'd put out there. Along with, I think Janet Napolitano. Exactly. Yeah, and and Steve Nash for, mm-hmm. for KTAR fans. Yep. The, yep. the other one to watch though, if he doesn't run, I really think, especially as we're seeing more diversity, not diversity of, of person of color or whatnot, but in terms of ideas and, and background and lifestyle, I think Pete Buttigieg is the rising star in the democratic party. And I think he would grab it. I, I agree. Pete Buttigieg is my candidate for most likely to become president, in part because of age, because he's got about 10 more shots. Right. <laughs> he can be around. And I must say, some point, people are going to get tired of all the screaming. And if you listen to him quietly on a one-on-one interview, nobody does it better. I'm really curious as to if Democrats can actually grab the horn on, on military experience, because Buttigieg has that, and so does Ruben Gallego. Does that actually mm-hmm. become a Democratic talking point as opposed to Republican? Mm-hmm. It should become one. It should yeah. become one. Yeah. Yeah. Steve? Well, just in the interest of 
broadening this discussion, let's just assume that uh, Joe Biden, although he's certainly in a good position to run for re-election, age is what it is. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, he decides he's not going to run for re-election. So and, I'm going to take I, that position. And I would agree in one sense. He's 80 years old. Right now, I'd say he'd run. But if his health ta- at, at 80, the risk of, of deterioration rapid yeah. at some point. It hits. So I just I'm just going to assume he's not going to run for reelection, mm-hmm. despite everything we're hearing yeah. and, you know, how well the, the midterms went. So I'm going to say Governor Gretchen Whitmer will be the Democrats choice hmm. uh, from Michigan. She won uh, impressively. Would she a, challenge us if, if Biden? No, no, she would not. But I'm assuming that he's not going to run and that she's going to run for president and that uh, Senator Raphael Warnock will be the vice presidential pick. Wow. And that's a pretty attractive ticket. Yeah, it is. A, that's an attractive ticket. And he's won a bunch of elections. And, he, you know, he seems like a pretty stand-up guy, mm-hmm. very impressive person. And also, you know, black voters are a very important component of the Democratic Party. I think he could do a better job than Kamala Harris. Yeah, one of the interesting things in the Southeast, for many, many years, the Democrats said, we, gotta, we can't run a black. We've got to run a very moderate white who's very attractive to black voters. Mm-hmm. And one after the other, they failed. And then they they basically started running black candidates. And in part, a, the demographics changed over that period, too. I mean, that'd be a revolutionary ticket yeah. with a woman at the top and a, a African-American in the number two spot. That would checks all the Democratic boxes, right? So we will be back in a moment. Concluding section, National Predictions 2023, when we're back in the think tank after the break. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. This is the grand finale segment, National Predictions uh, 2023. We have some some big questions we're going to handle here uh, with our uh, ace panel, uh, Steve Kraft, Steve Goldstein, and Chuck Coughlin. Uh, Chuck, to you, Republican rising star. I'm going to go with Governor Kemp of Georgia. Um, he has clearly cleared the hurdle of uh, defending himself in a deeply red state um, and done a good job and understands how to win those fights. And I think he's a very valuable commodity to that part of the Republican Party that wants to evolve. And and, and a logical person to do it. Very yeah. conservative. But he took on Donald Trump. He did. And won. Yep. Mike, I'm going to go with Tim Scott, uh, U.S. Senator from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. In part, he made some really... Good Sunday morning appearances, and also Republicans are trying to find an African American who fits the points of view that they have, but also someone who could be a national figure. I think that could be him. Hmm. Steve, and I'll go with uh, Representative Dan Crenshaw of Texas. Mm-hmm. He has that distinctive eye patch. He comes across as a conservative person with uh, sort of a voice of reason in an unreasonable period in our history, and I, I think his influence is only going to grow. I my comment on him. I watched him. On Bill Maher's show, I th- he's the only political figure I have watched that took on Bill Maher and decimated him. And Bill Maher, you know, send me that, would you, Mike? <laughs> com- comedians are tough folks yes, because yeah. they are quick. I'm talking about guys who write their own stuff. You know, yeah. they are quick, they're witty, and they're tough to take on. And he did it, and he did it decisively, and not on home turf. So, <laughs> you know, Mar had a Mar audience, and it didn't matter. Okay, back to you, Steve, uh, the uh, Democratic rising star. Well, I've already mentioned Governor Whitmer, mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to just throw out a name here that I think we should keep on our radar. It's Representative Maxwell Alejandro Frost. Wow, going deep into the bench. We're going deep. He's a 25-year-old guy. 
uh, elected from Orlando with a sizable contribution from Samuel uh, Bank, uh, Bankman-Fried. So that some of that money helps. Hey, man. Hey, man, mm-hmm. you know. You got to um, take the donation. But who knew at the time? <laughs> exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, anyone who gets elected to Congress at age 25. But, which is the legal limit. That's right. He's brand new. He's a very progressive guy. He's representing the heart of Orlando. That's a pivotal area in a mm-hmm. pivotal state. I think he's someone we should watch. Hmm. So I'm going to go with someone that Steve already mentioned, and that is Senator Raphael Warnock, because he's proven that he can. And I think that's very interesting with Chuck mentioning Kemp. We could be watching those two really battle over mm-hmm. the soul of Georgia in some sense. Um, in And actually, they're both very good at what they do in very different styles. So, Chuck. Uh, I'm going to go back to our earlier conversation, and I'll give these guys their due with Mr. Buttigieg uh, and say he is a rising star. I'm just not convinced he's got the internal fortitude to to uh, breast the tape at the end of the day. Um, but uh, I'm intrigued by what he can be. He, he certainly was uh, somebody in the presidential race who yeah. came out of nowhere into a level of prominence. But— ultimately displayed a great level of pragmatism when you had all the Demo- other Democrats folding be- when when it looked like Biden was going to uh, ascend. He was the first among them to do so, suggesting a level of political pragmatism as well. Yeah. So, uh, Chuck, dead mate, who is who who's done in national politics? Who's done in national politics? Who do we not want to see any more of and is done? I'd say our good friend Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> I think we finally see that's the in last. the air. I think I of would just love to see that no more of Rudy and have him just slowly deform himself even further in New York and just uh, be uh, unearthed twenty five years from now for his nine eleven. Did you see? Uh, I think CNN is doing a special, What Happened to Rudy Giuliani. They are. And and the contrast between the 9-11 heroic figure. And the guy who lost his mind. Who I think just wanted too desperately for one more strut across the prominent national stage. Yep. I put this in the category of Stacey Abrams, though she has accomplished more, though she has a hard time winning elections. I'm going to go with Beto O'Rourke. Because no one can go through tens of millions of dollars better than he can in a state that is still a Republican state, never win, and yet he is, let's put him out there again. I mean, good for him to have the guts to You hear to somebody run, saying that but, now? But no, I mean, no, but, no, but it may yeah. happen because yeah. he has those sort of attractive qualities. And, mm-hmm. But at some point, you have to win a race, right, Jay? I think so. Yeah. I think that's the ultimate test <laughs> that you have to breast the tape His here. problem is where do you go? You know, he's been in Congress, yeah. he, you know. CNN commentator. Yeah, well. And people still read books. At least I do. Yeah. So, I mean, not that many do, but I guess. (laughs) Has he written a book? He could. Oh, he could write a book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a good can. Just a guy who's in the wrong state at the wrong time could could have been elected. Any number of other options Mm -hmm. if they were from somewhere else. Yeah. If he were from across the border in New Mexico instead of in in Congress. Or the Senate. In the U.S. Senate. Or the Senate. Yeah. Steve. Okay. Even if he wins, uh, Kevin McCarthy's dead meat. Yeah, as, as a yeah, Republican, about yeah, that. it's a good Sorry. call because yeah. if you look at what Dead he's already, <laughs> what he's already <laughs> given up in the attempt to right, uh, right. and and I'm going to throw in Elise Stefanik as another Republican who's made this ultimate Faustian bargain, doing anything for power, debasing herself, in my view, in order to get power, and she might find at the moment that she's right there, poised to get it, that it all diminishes suddenly. She's uh, another one on the Republican side now, and Democrats, um, I'm going to say AOC is dead meat. 
Hmm. Not that she's not a provocative and popular figure among progressives, but I think she's going to be uh, finding in an era when they're really trying to get to the middle in order to win these big national elections, that her voice is not going to be as prominent as it was. And some of the bloom will be off the rose a bit. She'll be a prominent person, but not this huge star anymore. Yeah, well, she she kind of got her stardom premature. Oh, no, she did. But let's face it, though. She did something extraordinary. She did. It was in the primary, in the Democratic primary, right. knocking off, I think, the third highest uh, uh, stature right. Democratic congressman came out of nowhere. And that was that was but sit up and take notice. It's a national sort of mandate. Yeah. And it really yeah. isn't. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's one district in New York. That's mm-hmm. a. That's a very liberal. She's a good fit for that district, I think. And there are people like her around the country, and the movement may yet grow, for sure. But right now, no. Okay, big question here. Uh, But we've got less time on this than I would have liked to. I want to ask Steve to start this. We got a Republican Party divided between the MAGA, Trump wing, and traditional conservatives. Uh, MAGA's... This marriage... Does the Republican Party stay today or stay together? Or does somebody prevail on a national level? I think they'll stay together because there's really no advantage in not staying together ultimately for Republicans and conservatives. But I think that this party, as it's currently constituted, will probably lose a couple more national elections before it changes significantly. In other words, and to calm down the the crazies to say, listen, we got to win or we're not in the game. Or or to find some middle ground in which people who have those feelings and have those grievances uh, marry themselves to a Reagan-esque happy warrior figure who can represent those and then hold Main Street Republicans. Super quick, super quick on this, because I want to get to my favorite question. Yeah, Mike, I, I come to leadership again. I'm just not sure where it comes from. And Mitch McConnell is great behind the scenes, not a leader, and now another one of those 80-year-old folks. I, I just don't, I don't see any way this coalesces in a way where the party is stronger going forward. That doesn't mean Ron DeSantis isn't president in 2024 or 2025, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I think I think the evolution will be uh, in something some of us in the room are working on. We're going to have an open primary. I think we will have an open primary in Arizona um, by the time by 26. We'll have it on the ballot in 24 and it will change the dynamic of all of this. And it, it will take advantage of the opportunity that we have right now of the divisions in the Republican Party, of the divisions in the Democratic Party. And it will appeal to a majority of voters and we'll have a different kind of conversation. I need my favorite question here. Stolen, purloined entirely from Horizon, but I think it's a great question. Long shot and sure thing, Chuck. Long shot. Gavin Newsom is the front runner. <laughs> sure thing. Uh, Biden runs. Hmm. My long shot actually goes to uh, ranked choice voting in Alaska. Because of her rejection, Sarah Palin returns to Arizona, not knowing the ranked choice voting might be on the ballot here. <laughs> so she gets hosed either way. And, uh, and, and actually, actually, my sure thing is that, and this sort of steals from Chuck, is that Kamala Harris is not on the ticket in 2024. That will be a dicey thing to navigate, mm-hmm. and does it mean they have to pick another black woman to be on the ticket? Or right, right. That's that's, I, that's the that's yeah. the dicey well, aspect Bi- of Biden. It. If he doesn't make the promise again, though, this campaign, it'll be okay. <laughs> All right, my long shot is that Representative George Santos gets kicked out of Congress. That's a long shot. That's mm-hmm. a long shot. Mm-hmm. That's right. Is he partying with Madison Cawthorn? Is that the? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
And the sure thing is the Democrats are already preparing ads for 2024 running against the Republican House of Representatives. Mm. Well, they've, they've certainly been given plenty of grist uh, for that over the last couple of weeks. There you have the wrap. Uh, come back. These guys will be back at some future point for sure. And uh, we'll see how some of this looks about. Was cer- Clearly, these are issues we're going to be talking about this year. And uh, some of these predictions may evolve over time. My thanks to uh, Steve, uh, Steve Kraft, Steve Goldstein, and Chuck Coughlin. You guys are the best, and that's why you're here. And that's it for this week in the Think Tank. We'll see you next week. Happy New Year, Mike. Happy New Year.